Hi everyone, welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Women's FR Workwear, The Importance of a Proper Fit, sponsored by Workright Uniform Company. My name is Tom Music. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and I will be moderating today's session. Thank you for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speaker and organization are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we'll conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but we might not get to every question. Uh, any unanswered questions at the end of the session will be forwarded along to today's speaker. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I can let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speaker today will be Mark Sainer. He is the FR Technical Manager for Workright Uniform Company, a position he has held since he joined the company in 2006. <clears throat> Mark brings more than 35 years of experience in the fire and safety industries to his work, including 29 years in technical support, safety standards, and product development for Akron Brass Manufacturing Company. He participates as a voting member within a number of national and international safety organizations to help develop, revise, influence, and further improve standards for worker safety. Thank you to everyone who is tuning into this presentation. And with that, Mark, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thank you, and uh, welcome everybody to today's webinar. Um, as Tom said, I'm Mark Sainer, the FR Technical Manager with Workright Uniform Company and I'm going to be talking about uh, women's workwear. So in today's presentation, first we'll start off with a few statistics about women in the workplace, uh, talk a little bit about FR clothing needs and why uh, they're needed in uh, various applications, potential compliance issues with garments, uh, a little bit about styling and fit characteristics on women's garments, and then some typical offerings that uh, you can find out there in the marketplace. So with that, uh, let's jump right in and get started. So first uh, statistic I wanted to uh, mention was back in 1970, 38% of the uh, workforce uh, were women, and that uh, has obviously changed over the years. Of 2015, that number has climbed up to uh, over half, 57% uh, participation in the workforce by women. And in certain industries like the oil, gas, petrochem industry, uh, women account for 17% of the workforce. And there's over 290,000 expected by uh, 2035 in that particular industry. So you can see how the uh, participation of women in the workforce has uh, increased over the years. And in the utility industry, we're looking at 22.5% uh, of those workers uh, are women. So gone a long ways from back in the uh, early 70s uh, up until today in terms of the number of women in the workforce. And obviously their needs uh, in uh, workwear is different than men in some respects. So let's talk a little bit about FR clothing in general. Uh, FR clothing, uh, the reason for it is uh, most severe burns are caused when the clothing ignites, not the original hazard. So if you're not wearing FR clothing, and you're exposed to one of these thermal events, uh, non-FR clothing can ignite and burn, and that's, that's really going to cause severe injuries. The burned areas uh, where the clothes were actually uh, are more severely burned than exposed skin. And you can see that in this uh, picture here. It's obvious that this person was wearing a tank top, and you can see at the uh, top and around the shoulders where there was no tank top, the skin doesn't look nearly as burned as those areas where the uh, tank top was and uh, it ignited and burned. And even on the sides, you can see that there is some melting uh, of the uh, synthetic fibers that is now stuck onto the skin, which is 
not something you want to have happen. So um, having something on that's going to uh, ignite and burn is definitely uh, not a good thing. As most people have heard over the years, uh, the cost of a burn injury can well exceed the cost of an FR clothing program. Very costly to go through burn uh, rehab and uh, very expensive little stays. Plus, not only is it expensive, but the rehab is extremely long and painful. Burn injuries are one of the most painful injuries that you can sustain, and they, they do take an extremely long rehab period to try and work your way through uh, getting recovery from a burn injury. So definitely something uh, that you want to try and avoid. And survival rates increase dramatically with a smaller amount of burn injury. And I have a slide later that I'll show you some statistics on that. But the, the whole idea is uh, when you're exposed to one of these major events, uh, you want to be able to surprise, survive. You want to uh, decrease the amount of injury area, and that uh, has a dramatic effect on the uh, chances of survival from one of these major incidents. So YFR in the work race, place, you know, basically protects, protection against clothing ignition. You don't want your clothes to catch on fire. A fabric that does not ignite and continue to burn is what uh, FR fabric is all about. You know, your regular cotton or polycotton fabrics are going to ignite when they're exposed to these uh, high-degree thermal events, whereas the FR fabrics, uh, they do not. They don't ignite. They don't continue to burn, which uh, has an impact on the amount of uh, burn area. They're providing protection against a uh, number of hazards, including arc flash, electric arc flash hazards, as well as flash fire hazard protection. Those are two of the most common thermal events that FR clothing are used to uh, protect against. And as I said, we're trying to minimize the severity and the amount of burn injury. FR clothing is not going to prevent burn injury, but it's going to severely uh, minimize the amount and degree of injury to try and keep it as low as possible all of that uh, correlated with uh, survival rate. It's all about increasing chance of survival. If you're in a major arc flash or a major flash fire event, you're going to get some burn injury. It's just uh, going to happen. There's such a high thermal load that uh, you're going to have some burn injury, but you want to minimize the amount, minimize the uh, severity of it so that you can survive the accident. And I'm going to show you a little video here that uh, shows the difference between FR and non-FR clothing when they're exposed to a um, fire event. And this is a standardized test, uh, mannequin test that's used in the industry to uh, test uh, FR garments. And you can see the big difference between the uh, three different garments that are being shown. Left, you've got the uh, FR Nomex middle poly cotton and cotton. 100% cotton on the right. They're exposed for three seconds to the flames, and you can see the vast difference. The Nomex on the left, no fire at all. Cotton's burning, still burning, but in the middle of the polycotton, it's burning very severely, and if you look closely, you can even see the uh, synthetic polyester dripping, which is also going to stick to the skin. So you want to be the person on the left, not the middle or right. Uh, big difference in the amount of... Um, injury you would sustain with those that uh, ignite and do not uh, self-extinguish versus the uh, FR on the left, which is going to self-extinguish. Huge difference. You want to be that person on the left. Your survivability rate will increase dramatically. And this uh, table, this chart shows uh, some survival rates uh, based on some uh, American Burn Association data that uh, is out there. Along the bottom, you've got different age groups. Uh, because it does have an impact, your uh, survival rate uh, based on your age is uh, one of the criteria. And then up the left-hand side is the percent uh, chances of survival. So if we look at the purple bar first, that represents 25% body burn. So that's 25% of your uh, body area has either second or third degree burns. And you can see what the high survival rate is. It's pretty much 90% plus that you're going to survive a burn injury if only 25%. And 25% seems like a lot. If you're going to have a lot of burn, if you're going to have burned skin, second and third degree burn, 25 seems like a lot. But if that's a number that you have, high degree of potential that you're going to survive that type of accident. If we jump down to the next bar, which is 50% of your body burn, 
you can see it's still above the 50% survival rate. Even in the older age group, you're looking at around 60% survival rate, and the younger age groups are uh, over 80% chance of survival. So that kind of 50-50 bar down through the middle, you want to stay above that number in order to uh, make sure you're going to have uh, best chances of survival. So, you know, 25% body burn, really high rate of survival. 50% body burn is still pretty high. You're ranging from 60 to almost 90% chances of survival. Now, what happens when you drop below that 50% body burn number? The green line represents 75% body burn, and you can see how it drops off significantly, particularly in the older age groups. When you're looking at that 50 to 59-year-old age group, you're looking at only a 25% chance of survival. And some of the other ones are down in the uh, 40 and still below 50% survival rate, and those are that really young age group, and it's just barely over 50%. So this tells you that keeping the amount of burn injury on your body to as low as possible is key to trying to uh, make sure you're going to survive an exposure like a flash fire, an electric arc flash. And that's exactly what FR clothing is designed to do designed to not ignite, I continue to burn, provide some barrier from the uh, thermal energy, and minimize the amount of uh, burn injury, both in severity and the uh, total percentage of your body burn. So what industries uh, are out there that need FR? When we look at this, we look at it based on hazard. So when we look at the flash fire hazard, there's several industries that come to mind that uh, have uh, potential for a, a flash fire. Petroleum, refining, obviously you're working around hazardous uh, materials that can put off flammable gases and vapors that uh, are not good, potential for flash fire. Chemical processing, the same kind of situation. You've got chemicals, liquid chemicals that can put off flammable gases and vapors that are gonna be a problem. Oil and gas drilling. Although a lot of the drilling doesn't have this in certain areas, you can uh, open up pockets of gas uh, during the uh, initial drilling setup process that can uh, cause a gas cloud ignite flash fire incident. So another area you want to have your FR clothing for. Mining, same kind of thing. You know, the mining in and of itself may not be a problem, but if you get into a gas pocket that uh, could expose some flammable gases and vapors, that can be a problem. And obviously, gas utilities and utility contractors. Anytime you're working around gas pipelines, uh, natural gas pipelines, you're going to have a potential for a flash fire. And then also combustible dust, something that many people don't think about. There's a number of materials out there uh, that in a dust uh, form, when they're in a small enough particle size, if they get lofted into the air, mixed with oxygen, have any kind of an ignition source, you're going to have a flash fire. And we're talking about grain dust, sugar dust, you've got uh, plastics, rubbers, uh, even metals, uh, textiles, wood, uh, coal dust, a lot of different kinds of dust that when they're uh, in a fine enough particle size, they get lofted into the air mixed with oxygen and happen to uh, match up with an ignition source that you've got the potential for a large flash fire. So. Um, a lot of people don't think about those, but they have happened. Uh, a number of them have happened over the years. There was a sugar plant that um, had a large combustible dust explosion, you know, killed a number of people. So it's definitely a hazard out there that uh, you need to be aware of and need to be protected against. When we look at arc flash industries where they need uh, FR clothing, you're looking at uh, you know electric utilities and utility contractors, obviously. Uh, these folks are working around high-voltage electrical equipment. Uh, most of the time it's energized, and so they have to be extremely careful with their work and need some PPE protection. They need the uh, arc flash, arc-rated uh, FR clothing to protect against that potential uh, hazard. And in manufacturing, electrical workers. So if you've got uh, electricians, maintenance workers working around, again, high-energy uh, energized equipment, there's always a potential for an electric arc flash, whether it's somebody makes a mistake, you've got an equipment failure, any of those can cause a uh, devastating arc flash, and uh, having an arc-rated 
FR garment on it's going to uh, help uh, protect the worker from burning. Again, mining, a lot of electrical equipment in the mining industries. So with those industries talked about, and the fact that there's a lot of women working in those industries these days, let's talk about some of the typical fit issues that uh, women uh, experience when they're not wearing a FR garment that's designed for women. You're looking at garments that were designed for men, that, so there are going to be some fit issues. You know, typically a woman doesn't like to wear a man's garment, just doesn't fit right for them. So can be too loose, baggy, boxy, those are common comments that we get from women when they're uh, forced to wear a men's uh, pants, shirt, coverall. They just don't fit right, too loose, too baggy, and they don't look very good. Uh, they can be uncomfortable. Uh, the pant rise is going to be different. The fit through the waist and seat is going to be different uh, for a man's anatomy versus a woman's. So that's not going to be a comfortable for them to um, wear during the workday all day long. Sleeves are often too long. Uh, the uh, sleeve length for uh, men's shirt or coveralls are sized differently than those for women. Unflattering contour kind of goes back to that baggy, boxy look. And they just aren't going to be uh, designed and uh, sewn so that they fit uh, the way they should for a woman. And so what all that leads to is potential compliance issues. If the clothes don't fit right, they don't feel right, they don't look right. There's uh, issues that can uh, deal with compliance with standards and the protection that you need for uh, having these garments and the reason you wear the garments. Too baggy, potential for catching on machinery. Uh, very potentially dangerous. Doesn't have anything to do with the FR, but the FR is needed, so if you're wearing a baggy, uncomfortable, uh, large garment, potential for catching on machinery and have another type of hazard is uh, quite obvious. Uh, impaired movement doesn't fit right. You can't reach. You can't bend. You can't uh, you know, twist and move properly. So it doesn't uh, work very well in that regard. And then oftentimes, if it doesn't fit right, what is the natural thing to do? Well, you're going to roll your sleeves up. You might have to roll your pant legs. Uh, unzip a coverall, and all these can leave exposed skin. They, you know, leave areas. Um, you could uncover some flammable gar garments, undergarments. You know, again, all those things that aren't uh, aren't good to do. And then also, uh, they might alter the garment. And the problem with altering is, are they going to use the right materials? Are they going to use inherently flame-resistant thread? Are they going to use the right kinds of fabrics, like the uh, original fabric was? So. Alterations on the uh, garments can be a, a problem as well. And then lastly, and probably one that's the most dangerous is, they just weren't gonna wear them. They don't feel good, they don't fit right, they don't look good, and so they decide just not to wear it. And so that exposes them uh, to those, uh, like the video, the cotton or the poly cotton, that's what you're gonna end up wearing instead of the FR, and then you've got, potential problems for severe injuries. So you look at all those reasons why, um, compliance reasons why you'd want a garment that's designed for women, uh, it's pretty obvious that it makes sense that uh, you would want to wear something that's going to fit better uh, than um, wearing something that's designed for a man when uh, it should be designed for a woman. So what are some of the things that you can do and that Workright has done for styling and fit uh, for a woman? When we look at shirts, there's horizontal darts uh, that contour around the bust area to make it more comfortable and fit better. Uh, it's not big and baggy or tight either way. So you've got the contoured um, horizontal darts in the bust area. You've then also got vertical darts in both the front and the back that uh, fit more the contour of the uh, woman's anatomy, and those are uh, things that you'll see on regular street clothes, that they have these kinds of uh, characteristics and uh, styling attributes. Tapered at the waist, common uh, characteristic of a uh, woman's shirt. Buttons on the left. Um, there's a lot of discussion about why are the buttons on the left versus the right. Don't know if there's a 
a black and white answer for that. Uh, one of the stories that I've heard is back way back when, when uh, the um, women that were from the upper class uh, used to have um, maids or somebody help them get dressed. And so they were facing each other. And so for the person actually doing the dressing, uh, it was reverse of what they, if you were dressing yourself. So they flipped the buttons to the other side to make it easier for them to help uh, dress the, uh, the ladies at that time. And so that's why the buttons were flipped. Don't know if that's the right answer, but regardless, uh, women's are typically the buttons are on the uh, left side instead of on the right, and so that that's important just to uh, make sure that it uh, fits like the women like it to, and they can put it on or something they're used to doing. And uh, more contemporary feminine styling is styling changes over the years. Uh, work clothing sometimes doesn't always keep up with the time, so having a not only a woman's garment that is uh, designed properly, that has the darts, has the um, tapered waist, buttons on the left. Also want to look at things that are a little more contemporary. How are things, uh, how does clothing look these, this day and age, not you know from years and years ago. Now when we look at pants, they also have some uh, specific characteristics uh, for women's styling. Lower rise uh, is typical in a woman's pant. Contoured waistband with darts also, um, just like the women's shirt having darts in there, uh, and a more contoured waistband to fit their anatomy. Uh, having a different fit to the waist, seat, and thighs that are designed for women, not for uh, men. Again, makes it more comfortable to wear, easier to move, not, not so tight. And back to the contemporary styling. So if you've got the lower rise, the contoured waist, and a fit that's designed for women through the waist and seat and thighs with a little bit more contemporary styling, that's going to be something that women are going to want to wear. They're not going to forego wearing their safety clothing because they don't like the way it fits or the way it looks. Uh, typical offerings that you will see out there in FR clothing that have a, a, a woman's design are things like pants and jeans. And again, you're looking at pants, whether they're work pants or whether they're denim jeans, that have those styling characteristics, that they've got the contoured waistband, they've got the fit through the waist and seat, those type of things that uh, are, those are being offered by uh, many people out in the marketplace today. The shirts, another offering that you can typically find a women's, women's design styling. And even coveralls, there's specific, uh, coverall designs for uh, women that uh, you can find out in the marketplace. And lastly, uh, uh, kind of a new item for many are uh, lab coats uh, that are made in women's design. And that's uh, characteristic because there are a lot of the women working in laboratories, uh, whether they be university laboratories or commercial laboratories. There's a lot of uh, women uh, lab technicians that uh, need a garment that's going to fit properly. And these are all garment types and stylings that uh, Workrite offers, whether it be pant, jeans, shirts, coveralls, lab coats, all made and designed for uh, women uh, to get the kind of fit, styling, design that uh, is being looked for out in the marketplace. So that's the information about women's workwear. Um, I think there's a lot of good um, things out there, a lot of movement towards uh, trying to help out uh, the uh, women that are working out in the workplace. And because of the increased numbers, uh, we think here at Workright that it's important that we have products and garments and styles that are best suited for uh, those uh, that particular workforce. Uh, and uh, at this point, uh, I guess I'll turn it back over to uh, Tom if there's any questions. And if, if we don't answer your question today, um, you can uh, go offline to uh, send me at my email that you see here on the screen, msainer at workright.com. So, Tom, you want to see what kind of questions we've got online? Sounds good, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for that presentation. thought you had a lot of great insights uh, that can help a lot, of, a lot of people and keep a lot of workers more safe. Um, before we get started with the Q&A session, just want to remind everybody about the evaluation survey uh, that we're asking you to complete. The survey should be appearing on your screen. 
Uh, your input is important because it will help us improve future web webcasts. We do go through and look at your feedback and, and uh, use that information going forward. Uh, if you don't see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. That's probably the issue. Um, you may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of your screen. Um, and with all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and get to some questions. Um, so Mark, I will start off. Looks like we have a few. And just a reminder to people, feel free to send questions in as we talk. Um, we'll, we'll see those come in, and we'll try to get to as many as we can. Uh, Mark, first question I see is, do the, sta do the same sta safety standards, excuse me, do the same safety standards apply to FR clothing for women and men? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the standards in the marketplace, whether it be Flash Fire, the NFPA 2112 standard, or whether it be Arc Flash, the ASTM F1506 standard, they have to do with protection levels. They don't have to do with uh, styling. So yes, if um, uh, if a man's going to be exposed to a flash fire, and a woman's going to be exposed to a flash fire, they have the same requirements for the garments in terms of protection levels. Typically, the standards don't get into uh, a lot of the design characteristics. It's all about protection level, coverage, amount of protection that's uh, provided by the garment. Sounds good. I know uh, we mentioned a lot about fit and styling. So other than fit and styling, what factors should be considered when selecting women's FR workwear? Well, uh, similar to the first question, uh, when, when I talk to people about uh, how to choose what's best for them, always start off with uh, what's the protection level for this, the given hazard. Uh, everybody should do a hazard analysis at their workplace, identify what the hazards are, determine the uh, degree of hazard, and then you look for products that are designed for and provide the degree of um, protection that uh, is available or that you know will help them protect against that particular hazard. One, when, once you've identified the hazard and find a product that um, is well suited for that hazard, then you're looking at things like comfort, which can have to do with either the fabric or the styling, like the women's that we just talked about. And then you, you know, lastly, look at the value. You want to look at, is this a product that's going to um, last a long time, that give me uh, my money's worth uh, for what uh, I'm buying? Because it's protective equipment. You want to buy something that not only gives you good protection, but because they're expensive, you want to buy something that's going to last. So you want high-quality uh, fabrics that are uh, certified to the standards that are known to work in the industry and give you the protection level. But it's all about the protection level. That's the first thing. You want to either be certified NFPA 2112 or you have to have one that uh, has the appropriate arc rating for the arc flash hazard that you're going to be exposed to. Mark, the next question that comes in, they want to know your take on unisex garments. Are, are unisex garments as effective as workwear designed specifically for men or women? Well, unisex is kind of a, in my, in my opinion, kind of a misnomer. Typically, a unisex garment would be a man's garment that's worn by a woman. Uh, most, uh, at least the ones I'm familiar with, most of the garments that are sold in the marketplace today um, are men's garments that are worn by women in some cases. So, um, you know, it's... You can go either way, but it's better if you have a men's gar man's garment that's designed for a man's anatomy and a woman's garment that's designed for a woman's anatomy. Unisex will work. You know, the fabric will still give you the same protection level, uh, and it still can be certified to the standards, but you're not going to uh, address those issues that we talked about in terms of fit and um, are they going to look appropriate so that people will want to wear their safety garments. Next, next question that comes in, they want to know, is it possible to tailor the FR garments we already have to provide a better fit for women? Um, yeah, that can be done, but it has to be done uh, properly. It has to be done by somebody that knows what they're doing. You have to use the right materials. You have to use inherently FR thread if you're going to, um, you know, for example, if you're going to hem a, a cuff, you need to use uh, inherently FR thread. Uh, which is what's specified in the standards. Uh, if you're going to 
you know, add additional fabric someplace, you have to use a fabric that's the same as what the base fabric is made from. Um, you know, so you, you need to be careful about it. But, yeah, it can be done. And you can order specialized garments as well. You know, people like, uh, you know, our company, Workright, we'll, we'll make specials. Uh, you know, we maybe don't sell a, a certain size, but if it's needed, we'll make a special size. If we need to make a particularly short sleeve length or, or a um, wider waist or something, uh, those kind of uh, specials can be done. Uh, you know, they're not inexpensive, but... Um, Everybody needs to wear their uh, FR clothing, so if um, you need something, they can be altered. Just have to be careful that you do it right. And I think I've got some information about uh, repairing and replacing garments that addresses that a bit. If somebody uh, needs some information on that specifically, they can let me know. That, uh, that notion of ordering specialized garments, that kind of leads into the next question, uh, which is where can I purchase high-quality FR clothing for women? Well, um, you know, Workright makes a women's line, uh, multiple, you know, shirts, pants, jeans, coveralls, lab coats, um, and we're sold through our uh, distribution network. Uh, on our website, there's a um, place where you can contact the local Workright rep, and they can direct you to a distributor in the area that uh, sells our clothing, and they all can, you know, buy our women's line. Uh, so, you know, there's number of outlets across the country that handle ours, and I'm sure handle others as well. Another question they want to know about uh, the cost. Is there a difference in cost when you look at uh, men's FR clothing versus women's FR clothing? Not really. I mean, there might be a slight difference, but you're basically using the same fabrics, the same threads, the same, you know, buttons and snaps and zippers. Um, so, you know, they're basically the same. Um, you know, it might be a slight variation, but not significantly. Um, obviously, we make higher volumes of men just because of the numbers. You know, there's more men in the workforce than women. But those, as you could see on my one of my first slides, those numbers are changing. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there's not a significant difference in them. They're they're pretty much the same numbers. Uh, next question that comes in: How important is it to use FR thread when doing alterations? Uh, it's it's required. If you look at the standards, the uh, NFPA 2112 standard and the uh, ASTM Arc Flash standard F1506, they both specifically spell out uh, it's required to use uh, inherently flame-resistant sewing thread. So that, that's a requirement. Because if you think about it, say, say you've got a seam on your pant that's sewn with non-FR thread and it gets in an exposure, there's potential for that thread to uh, burn and open up, and you don't want, you know, the seams on your pants opening up when you're in a uh, hazardous environment. So, yeah, flame-resistant or uh, inherently flame-resistant threads necessary. The uh, the next question, Mark, that comes in has to do with kind of the lifespan of this equipment. Um, will FR clothing lose its protection properties over time, and if so? What is the best way of dealing with this issue? Well, if you're buying, um, you, you want to make sure when you're going to buy an FR garment that uh, the manufacturer is using fabrics that are um, guaranteed to be FR for the life of the garment. And by life of the garment, I mean uh, they're going to, the garment itself is going to wear out before the FR properties will wear out. And most of the um, top fabrics that are used out in the marketplace are uh, flame resistant for the life of the garment. Some years ago, there were some that could get washed out if you weren't um, careful, but most of them are guaranteed. Now, with that said, the caveat is you have to follow the uh, proper care, maintenance, laundry instructions, because there are some things you can do to mess them up. Um, now, if it's inherently flame resistant fabric, like either a Aramid blend, a Nomex Aramid blend, or one of the um, Aramid monacrylic blends, you know, that, that FR is inherent in the fibers, and um, you're not going to wash that out. If it's a treated, you're not going to wash it out unless you, you know, don't follow the instructions, which specifically say don't use chlorine bleach, don't use uh, peroxides, because those can start to rip out the FR properties in the fibers. So, um as long as you uh, follow the laundry instructions and buy um, 
quality products from quality manufacturers, uh, the FR is going to last as long as the garment's going to last. You know, most of these industries they're worn pretty hard, and so you're going to end up, you know, wearing through, tearing. Uh, they just get old and don't look good, and you have to replace them. So, um, yeah, the FR is going to last uh, for the life of the garment as long as you're buying those uh, quality fabrics from quality manufacturers. Sounds good. Next, next question's a little more technical, so let me know if you want me to read this through. Um, a second time, um, but the questioner asks, with respect to heat stress prevention, what clothing adjustment factors must be considered for workers in calculating the WBGT when wearing FR clothing? Well, let me just talk about heat stress in general for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when when you're when you're out working in the workplace and you're you know whatever it is you're doing, you're generating internal heat. And in order to avoid heat stress, heat stress that needs to dissipate. And it's either going to dissipate um, just naturally um, off the body through con convection. It's going to leave your body and go away. Or, it, you know, it um, leaves by sweat. Sweat draws the heat off your body and then evaporates and creates some cooling. So a couple things that the, the uh, garment needs to um, do, and that is, one, not hold the heat in, so it needs to breathe. It needs to be breathable, allow um, heat to dissipate off of the body, and it needs to uh, be able to wick the moisture off of your skin and then evaporate quickly. So, you know, those are the two key elements in trying to avoid heat stress when you're wearing clothing. Whether it's FR or non-FR, it doesn't matter. Same same thing holds true. So, lightweight fabrics, fabrics that are very air permeable, allow that airflow both in and out. Uh, help uh, fabrics that uh, absorb the moisture well, but also dry quickly. Some absorb well, but don't dry very quickly. So now you get this heavy, wet garment on, which isn't great. So you want it to not only pull the moisture off the skin, but pull it off onto the surface of the fabric and then evaporate quickly is important. And And probably more important than what you're wearing is you have to monitor the workers in terms of um, how long they're working out in hot environments. So uh, if you look at all the heat stress studies, they talk about the importance of rest breaks, hydration, those types of things. So, uh, you know, if you've got your clothes on that are breathable, wick and dry quickly, uh, you still need to do rest breaks and you still need to um, have lots of hydration and plenty of fluids. Now, unfortunately, I don't know what WBGT means. Um, mm -hmm. I probably should, and I'll look it up after this call. But, um, uh, you know, those are the heat stress things that I've um, uh, looked at and studied over the years that uh, are talked about when you look at garments. Uh, you know, you generate your own heat. The, the body does. And when you get into those hot, hot environments, human environments, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Uh, you know, the moisture is not going to evaporate off if you've got very high humidity. Um, if you've got um, hot wind blowing on you, you're not going to, the, the breathability is not going to really do anything because now you're creating heat, not dissipating heat. So there's lots of variables involved with it. But uh, in general, you know, lightweight, lighter colors, breathable fabrics, uh, moisture management characteristics in terms of wicking and drying quickly are the kinds of things you look for when you're looking at uh, garments that are going to be used in hot environments. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I know heat stress is an issue that's not going away anytime soon also. So I had a, a couple more Yeah, we, we hear uh, about it a lot. Yeah. You know, the questioner clarified for WBGT, uh, wet bulb globe temperature is what that was in reference yeah, to. I, I'm familiar with the, the, that testing, but I don't have any specific numbers on it. Um, again, I've, I've done a presentation uh, and even a webinar on heat stress that uh, you can find on the WorkRight website, um, but um, that specifically, I, I don't know the answer to that uh, bulb globe uh, testing. Gotcha. Um, another question comes in having to do with um, outerwear. Are there any women's FR outerwear on the market? Um, that's a good question. I know that uh, we have looked at um, outerwear uh, for women. I don't believe at this point in time that um, 
we have any that are specific to women, um, but I know that's in our development area that uh, they're looking at uh, what we should do for that. But at this point in time, um, that's not something that we see a lot about or see much of and haven't, WorkRight hasn't developed one yet. I know we've got that on our lists of things to do, but um, at this point in time, uh, you know, we don't have anything that fits that particular need. I guess I'll wrap it up with this. You've got, you know, almost 40 years of experience, um, obviously an expert in this field. Where do you see this going? And and when you look at, you know, companies and individuals maybe who who don't um, have proper fit, who don't differentiate with their garments, what do you think the reason is for that? Is it just lack, lack of understanding or education or... Um, I guess it's kind of a two-part question, you know, why, why is why is this an issue and and uh, kind of where are the trends going forward, do you think? Well, we obviously have seen an increase in the uh, people asking for women-specific garments, and that's why we've uh, done some redesigns and we've expanded our line to cover more styles and types of garments because we think there's a need. And as you saw in the statistics, the number of women in the workforce has uh, been increasing over the years, so there's a, a growing need for it. I would guess the reason others haven't really gone there is um, it's a cost factor. Uh, you know, when you mm -hmm. have, um, you know, you can only make so many styles, so many SKUs, uh, you know, got inventory control, uh, that you're trying to manage, uh, you know, cost controls and so forth. So the, the more styles and more designs and more uh, types of garments you have, uh, the harder it is to manage that. And so, um, you know, depends on where your priorities are. If your priorities are on inventory control, then, you know, you go one direction. If your um, priorities are on trying to meet the needs of the marketplace, then you Know, go a different direction, and that's kind of where WorkRight's headed to try and uh, fulfill that need. And you know, it's probably been a long time coming for most in the industry to have more options for women and more styles and designs. Uh, um, we've we've seen the need and have started moving that direction, and I would guess that'll continue. Mm -hmm. uh, I have another question come in, and, and thanks to everyone who's taken the time to send in some questions, some really good ones today. Um, next question is, will wearing something like a non-FR rain jacket over an FR shirt disqualify the protection provided by the FR shirt? Absolutely. That is a number one no-no. The outer layer must always be FR. Never want to put on a non-FR over top of an FR, particularly a rain jacket. If that catches on fire, you're in deep trouble. Because think about it, if you've got this garment burning on you, even though you've got FR underneath, that thermal energy is still going to go through that garment, plus you've got flames and stuff up around your face. And yeah, absolutely, the outer layer must always be FR. And if you look in some of the standards, it specifically spells that out. You know, windbreakers, jackets, rainwear, none of that uh, should be non-FR. It all has to be FR or you've got some serious uh, potential problems in an exposure. Yeah, definitely an important clarification, and I know with some of the images you showed, you can see the, the damage that can happen, and it sure doesn't take long, just a matter of seconds, if, you, uh, if you're if you wearing the wrong garment. Well, if you think about it, an arc flash is, you know, at 10,000 plus degrees. You know, it only lasts for a fraction of a second, but it's uh, such a high thermal energy that uh, anything that's non-FR is likely to uh, ignite immediately, and then you then you got a problem. You're going to be one of those... Uh, two mannequins on the middle and right where you're going to be burning like a candle, and that's that's not a good thing. Well, Mark, I well, actually, there's one more question. They're coming in, so that's good. Keep them coming. We have the time. Um, next question <laughs> says, uh, let me make sure I get this correct. Uh, what size charts are you looking at when shaping patterns for women's protective apparel, women's or plus size? What are the body measurements of typical women working in these fields? Um, because the plus size market for all clothing is growing. So just making that, it's kind of an interesting um, approach. What's your what's your uh, thoughts on right. that? Right. Well, the, the way, um, you know, we do it, and I don't know if I have a, an answer specific to the question asked, but the way uh, WorkRight uh, 
does it is we, we have a take a size, uh, you know, a, a average size. You know, I don't know if average is the right word or not, but we take a a size uh, and have um, you know a particular uh, measurement chart that uh, we go by, and then as the size increases, everything is graded to increase appropriately. So. Um, you know, we would take a standardized um, ant, for example, and just for, and maybe this will help answer the questions. We're we're part of the Williamson Dickey Manufacturing Company, so uh, Dickey's makes a lot of workwear, so we can take one of their designs, their sizing uh, styles, and then we grade it appropriately as the size gets bigger. So if you're in a, you know, uh, take a size. 10 and then it goes up from there, everything uh, is graded in terms of the um, size of the thighs or the size of the waist or the size of the, the rise or whatever it might be, uh, increases accordingly to match uh, size that it's going from and to. Uh, so I don't know if that answered the question or not. Um, but And we also use fit models. We'll bring in a, a fit model that uh, has kind of a normal, whatever that means, typical uh, physique, and make sure that they fit well, and then, uh, again, size appropriately as they move up and down in sizes with uh, uh, varying degrees of um, fit change that's needed, the grading that's needed. Mm -hmm. Got an interesting one here. Uh, do you know of any reports of allergic reactions to FR fabrics? I don't know of any reports. Um, you know, it, it it comes up periodically. It's rare. Um, you know, most of the um, fabrics have all been uh, evaluated for um, skin contact irritation type things. Um, every once in a while, I'll hear of somebody that has a reaction to one of the fabrics. Typically, it has to do with the uh, finish that's on the uh, garment itself. And after several washings, uh, that tends to uh, the, the finish itself. It's called sizing that's put on there to make the fabric easier to handle in the manufacturing process. But after a few launderings, that goes away. And sometimes that's the cause. Uh, but in general, uh, you know, we don't see issues with uh, allergic skin reactions. But uh, as I said, every once in a while, we'll run across one and Usually what happens is they'll just change to a different fabric, and that takes care of the problem. But generally speaking, uh, there haven't been issues with it. I don't know of any reports specific to that, but, uh, you know, in the thousands and thousands of garments we sell, we rarely run into that uh, that issue. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, got a couple more. In, in previous years, prior to the OSHA requirements for oil and gas to utilize FR, it sometimes took up to six to eight weeks to receive FR clothing, has the time it takes to receive the clothing reduced? Yeah, well, I uh, can't speak for others in the industry, but uh, we uh, we at WorkRight uh, carry heavy inventories to try and be able to ship products with, you know, standardized products. Now, if you're looking at something that's odd or not in the normal size ranges that we uh, show in our catalogs and price lists, um, those typically we would inventory and are going to ship somewhere in you know the week to ten days or or less. You know a lot of them we have on stock. If you order it today, we'll ship it tomorrow or within a couple of days. Um, so part of it depends on because we carry such a broad line of different styles and fabrics, we can't carry everything in stock. But all the high volume stuff are going to ship uh, very quickly. So you, it would be rare that you're going to be waiting you know, seven, eight, nine weeks for a product. And we can certainly tell somebody that when they want to place an order. Uh, but most of the inventory in these days are uh, pretty healthy, and the standard products that are being sold, standard coveralls and standard colors, um, and then, you know, size ranges that are stipulated. You know, if you want to 8X, then that's going to take a little longer because we'll have to make it from scratch. Uh, but most of the normal size ranges and um, colors and styles are in stock and can ship pretty quickly. And another another question here: How do we obtain women's FR clothing from Workrite if our local vendor only offers the men's line from Workrite? 
Um, well, that's a good question. We have we have lots of suppliers around the country, lots of distributors um, that we can, uh, can direct somebody to. So if it just happens to be that distributor that's in your town or the next town over doesn't uh, want to carry them, uh, we can certainly find somebody that will carry them for you and uh, figure that out. So I would just, uh, again, go on our website and look for the um, uh, rep that covers your area, your region of the country, and I'm sure they can find uh, somebody that can help them uh, get the garments because we you know, sell to lots of different distributors across the country, and, and even some of the uh, industrial laundries have direct sale catalogs that uh, would carry our garments. So uh, I'm sure we can find some, some outlet uh, where they can get the women's garments. Well, Mark, I appreciate it. We answered a, a, a bunch of questions there. A lot of good ones came in, and just thanks again for your for your expertise and, and your presentation. Definitely was interesting. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, you know what? With that, uh, that that'll wrap up our presentation for today. Um, once again, any any unanswered questions or, or questions that follow, we'll make sure to forward those on to Mark. And I uh, want to remind everyone one more time just to go ahead and take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen and give us your feedback. That does really help us out. Um, that's going to go ahead and end today's Safety and Health magazine webcast. Once again, I'd like to thank Mark Sainer, everyone at WorkRight Uniform Company, and all of you who listened in and participated in the Q&A session. Thank you very much, and have a great day.